those who are joining us online. And today we are in Romans 14. So we're continuing our study of Romans. Our focus really since Romans 12 has been on our walk in Christ. Practically, how do we walk this out? And the last few weeks we've been in Romans 13, talked about our relationship with the government, loving our neighbor, and that's with agape love. We also talked about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and making no provision for the flesh. Now, Romans 14 and 15 cover a very important topic for Christians and a topic that's largely ignored. It deals with some important principles of conscience. Okay? So we're going to read through, we're going to probably do most of chapter 14 today. And uh, I'm going to read it. It's 23 verses. It's a long passage, but I encourage you to read along uh, in your Bibles or up here and listen carefully, okay? Now, accept the one who is weak in faith, but not only for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. Every person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. And he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not, for the Lord he does not, for the Lord he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord both of the dead and of the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Are you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to them it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, 
but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For, for he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up for one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. <laughs> it is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is from, not from faith is sin. Okay, I encourage you to read through that passage later, okay, carefully. For Christians, there are often issues which we see differently. It could be because of a cultural or a religious background. It could be their life experience. It could be their maturity. It could be with whom they're walking. And I suppose it's always going to be that way. <laughs> but even more today, it's true because it seems like God is purposely mixed people together from all sorts of backgrounds. In fact, never before has God gathered so many people from so many backgrounds and let them be living together or let them be in church together. And this is true not just for Emmanuel Fellowship, but really around the world. Actually, God allows such differences in order to train us in agape love. Because we have to learn to die to self. We have to learn to prefer others. We have to learn to truly love one another. In the first century, there is one such issue that people saw differently. And that was meat offered to idols. Now, this is especially true for the Gentile Christians. For Jewish Christians, it wasn't so much. And so the question, should one eat meat that's been offered to idols? Because in many of the cities in the Roman world, sacrifices were made to gods in pagan temples. The meat was then taken and sold at the market at a discount price. Well, some Christians thought, well, wow, this is a good deal. You know, God's provided a good deal. I can buy this for half the price. And uh, after all, I know that idol is just a hunk of stone or a piece of wood. It doesn't bother me. But others saw it as something Wait a minute, this was offered to idols. Maybe this is demonic. Maybe there's something in that meat. And so there was kind of a, there was a, a disagreement among a lot of Christians. Actually, 1 Corinthians 10 talks about this issue even more. Just out of curiosity, which side would you be on? Which of you would go ahead and go to the art market and eat the meat sacrificed to the idols? Okay. Oh, just one? Maybe two? Okay, a few others? Okay. Which of you, okay, which of you would say, no, I don't think I'm going to eat it? Okay, so a lot more, okay. About half and half, probably. A lot of people didn't vote. By the way, there's, according to Romans 14, there is no right or wrong answer. 
actually another issue was food that was not clean according to the law. Because all of a sudden there were Christians from a Jewish background who, you know, they grew up all their life in the law. There's certain things you couldn't eat. The Gentile Christians, they thought, I don't know. I like a piece of bacon with my eggs in the morning, you know. <laughs> and so there was kind of, that was another issue. Okay. And there are other issues too. We're touching on a couple of those. Are there issues today for us? Yeah, there are. I kind of always hesitate to kind of give them because you think people say, Mike, which side are you on? But let me just kind of give some. Drinking alcohol. Some insist, well, unless you get drunk, it's fine. After all, Jesus drank wine. Mm-hmm. Others say, no, it causes too many problems. Besides, alcohol today has a much greater alcohol content, content, which I don't think is really true, but yeah, I've heard that, you know. Sunday is a day of rest. Some say we should not ever work on Sunday. Some would take it a step further, further and say, and also not participate in any sporting events or watching sporting events. This is probably a bad thing to talk about the week before Super Bowl Sunday, is it? Okay, okay. But Sunday should be for rest and worship. Others say, wait a minute, it's the spirit of the day that really counts. That's what Jesus said. Another issue would be movies that we watch. Now, all agree, or maybe should agree, that some movies are not good for the soul or for the mind. But we see differently in where we draw the line. I'd probably be on the side that would probably say, eh, no, thank you. But I know a lot of Christians say, oh, no. I get edified by that movie. I might think, eh, I don't know about that. But anyway, there's other differences when it comes to dress or boycotts on particular products, holidays, music, use of medication. I mean, actually, every generation has its own thorny issues. Okay? Now, some things are clear in the scriptures. Lying, stealing, sexual immorality, cheating on taxes. Those are pretty, you know, those are clear. So we're not talking about everything as a matter of, well, you believe that, I believe this. Doctrinal things, yet we go to the scriptures. We're talking about things where the scriptures are not clear, okay? Now, two important and necessary principles come out in this chapter. The first one... Don't judge our brother on such matters or our sister, okay? Because it breaks down the unity of the spirit. It destroys agape love. You know, the enemy gets delighted in these things. Let's, let, let's look at chapter, I mean, verse four. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master, he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. In other words, each of us have to answer to our own master, Jesus. We're not called to answer to one another. Okay? Verse 10. But you, why do you judge your brother? Are you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. 
Now, this, this phrase, judging our, or regarding our brother with contempt, what does that mean? That means when we think of our brother, I don't know about that brother because he does this or she does that, you know. She, but what, is, what is Romans 14 saying? Don't worry about him. You know, God, they've got to answer to God. Okay. Um, when we start judging, see something ugly begins to grow in our heart. And we start looking down on the other person. That's what we have to kind of stay away from judging. Verse 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. We've seen this several times already in this chapter. You know, uh, we give every one of us an account to God. And the implication here, worry about ourselves. Don't focus on others. So here's the problem with judging our brother. Judging usually springs from a heart that's not right before God. It could be jealousy. And the thing about jealousy, it can actually drive someone insane. That's what happened to Saul, King Saul, right? He got so jealous that it says that evil spirit came into him. <coughs> By the way, there's a lot of jealousy issues in or examples in the scriptures. What are some others? Cain and Abel. We'll start at the very beginning. Who else? Okay, leaders in, okay, toward uh, Daniel and Babylon, okay. Okay, Jacob and Esau, okay, okay, okay. There, there are a lot of examples. And it always ends bad, you know. Um, there's competition. And, and really competition, now I, I know you can have a friendly competition, you've got a board game, I can get competitive if I'm going to play a game, I want to win. But you know, if I don't win, that's okay. But for some people, competition is really big inside of them, you know. And really, that stems from a, a desire that I want to be better than them. And, uh, and whenever we kind of have that attitude, we are better than our brother. Or sometimes competition leads us to conclude we're less than our brother. Both are wrong, aren't they? Judging also springs from insecurity. I want to look better. Or maybe it's the desire to put someone down. Again, a lot of these sort of overlap because it makes me look better. And so whenever we have that in our heart, I want to put them in their place. There's something wrong. That's what judging is. Judging leads to gossip because we just can't judge in our heart. We've got to tell somebody else about it. So it leads to gossip, slander, forming of factions. It always has a bad ending. Jesus talks about judging in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's take a look at uh, Romans, I mean, not Romans, uh, uh, Matthew 7. Let's look at the first five verses. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, 
you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. By the way, that should put the fear of God in our hearts. You know, because sometimes we're really harsh with others. And we don't want God to be harsh toward us, do we? Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly take the speck out of your brother's eye. Helping our brother is okay. It's good. Judging our brother is not okay. Now, how do we know the difference? We look at our heart. Okay? And, uh, and, and we see here also in Matthew 7, a spiritual principle. How we treat others, we will be treated in return. If we judge others, people are going to be harsh with us as well. It will come back to us. And here's the thing. When we judge others, it almost invites others in the spiritual realm to judge us. And usually they're going to do it with less mercy. And the cycle just goes around and around and around. And we can probably, probably a lot of people are thinking of examples right now. When they judged me. We don't usually kind of think of examples when we judge some other people. But think about it. It, it does. It just goes around and around. It's, it's, it's bad. It's evil. Yes, we are to help people when they're struggling. But if we have something in our heart, like an inner satisfaction when they fail, that becomes a log in my eye. And which is bigger, the log or the speck? The log is, right? Now, we, we're looking at that speck and we're saying, that sure is a big speck. But it becomes a log in our eyes. And when that happens, we can't help them. Logs can be jealousy, dislike, a desire to see one fail. And actually, when we go down that path, our sin becomes bigger than, than theirs. I mean, over the years, I've been involved in a lot of interpersonal reconciliation. It could be in marriage. It could be between brothers and sisters. It could be a lot of different things. Business partners. And often what happens, I'll kind of hear both sides. And in my own, I mean, I try not to take sides on things. But I might think, yeah, this person's really wrong. But in the end, that person or the person that's kind of judging him ends up having the bigger sin. And that happens so many times, you know. Um, so, yes, there is a place for correction when we see someone sin. Church leaders especially have that responsibility. But really, we all do. But it has to be done with the right heart. A heart of compassion and a desire to see a person thrive in the kingdom of God. It can't be out of a desire to put them down or teach them a lesson or something like that. And I think, you know, all of us probably have different phrases in our hearts that we kind of judge people. How do we know the difference? Again, in our hearts, we usually know the difference. 
if I'm judging or is my desire to help someone. Now, especially in the context of Romans 14, we're not to judge when it comes to these choices of conviction. It's only going to bring trouble in the body of Christ. Always. Okay, so the first principle, let's don't judge our brother. Okay. The second, now help a brother, yes, but not judge him. Judging is something in the heart. The second thing, principle, and this is even harder, don't do anything that will cause your brother to stumble. Let's look at verse 13. It's sort of a transition verse here. It says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. That's kind of the first 11 verses. But rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. That's the second thing. And then the rest of the chapter deals with that principle. In the example of eating meat offered to idols, what is Paul's advice? He's saying true spiritual maturity will be don't eat it if it's going to cause your brother to sin, especially in front of him. Or don't boast about it or brag about it. Now, if you're at the market and no one's there, okay, well, I'll go ahead and take some of that more, you know, some of that meat. But it's, uh, but don't make an issue of it. You know, well, yeah, I'm free. You know, you know, I've got liberty in Christ. I can do what I want, you know. And uh, um, I remember a brother who he came to a conclusion that alcohol was okay for him. Before, it wasn't. He came to that conclusion. Oh, that's fine. But what I had a problem with is that then he always talked about it. You know, with everybody. My freedom in Christ. You know, and then this is about the time Facebook first came out. And every time I looked at his post, had two or three... You know, beers or... I'm trying to say, brother, listen, it's okay if you want to feel that way, but don't flaunt it, you know? Don't make it an issue. It doesn't make sense, you know? You're causing your brother to stumble. You know, verses 14 through 17. Let's read this. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. You know, Paul's saying, the meat, it doesn't bother me. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. So if we hurt someone because of our freedom, because of our liberty, we're not walking according to love. He says, do not destroy with your food him whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. But what? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, not walking in love is really the bigger sin. So this is to be our attitude. Nothing is more important. Even our liberty. Even our preferences. Even our desires and dreams. Nothing's more important than protecting our brother. Don't destroy your brother for the sake of food. 
The kingdom of God is much more than these things. Don't allow the enemy to deceive us or destroy us. It's not the spirit or the culture of the kingdom of God. Righteousness, joy, and peace is what the kingdom's about. Not these external things. Verse 18, I like it too. It says, for he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by God. In other words, this is serving Christ when we don't insist on our own preferences. Verse 19. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things are indeed, indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is not good to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. I like that. Pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of the body of Christ. We are to be building up the body of Christ, encouraging one another, protecting one another, making others a success, not tearing down one another with judging, looking down on them, gossiping about them, putting people down, becoming a stumbling block. The bottom line is this. We don't want to do anything to cause our brother to stumble. Now you might say, but that's their problem. No, as fellow members of the body, it's our problem. Okay. Let's see what Jesus said about stumbling blocks. I don't like reading this passage. I said, I don't like reading it. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, verse five through seven. But it's what Jesus said. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Okay, that's good. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. For it is inevitable, inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to that man through whom the stumbling block comes. You know what a millstone is? Actually, in Capernaum, when they were excavating, they found a, a millstone. It's a big hunk of cement about this high, and it's round, and it goes from about here to those chairs. How would you like to have that hanging around your neck? You have no... And thrown into the sea. You have no, no hope, you know. Uh, we don't want to be a stumbling block. Some of Jesus' most powerful words are aimed at those who stumble others. There's going to be terrible consequences for such a person. All of us need to be or should be careful and committed to never put ourselves in that position. And if we have stumbled someone, we need to do what we can to correct it. Let's be willing to lay down our rights, our liberty, our pursuit of what we want. The world's going to tell us otherwise. Look after for yourself. You got to do what's in your heart. You got to do what you want to do. But in the body of Christ, it's different. Spiritual maturity 
And the blessing of God says, lay these things down. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Literally in the Greek, this means he didn't insist on his rights as the son of God. But he gave up his privileges and his rights to become a bondservant for us. And so therefore it says, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. This is one of those paradoxes in the kingdom of God. We're called to lay down our rights, to lay down our liberty for the sake of others. The kingdom of God is more than eating and drinking. It's more than my right to do what I think I want to do. It's not worth it. And again, flaunting one's liberty, it can grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, so in conclusion, we're called to walk in love. That's what we're really talking about. And that doesn't destroy our liberty. It releases it. We're talking about spiritual maturity here. Leading to greater fruitfulness in our lives. But it does require that we lay down our lives. So two important principles we've seen today. Don't judge others. Don't do anything that causes anyone to stumble. You know, maybe we should just take a quick look at 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 23 and 24. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but all, not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. That's what we're called to. Verse 27. This doesn't just apply to believers, but non-believers. If one of the unbelievers invites you and you want to eat and you want to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking questions for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this is meat sacrificed to idols, then don't eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. I mean, not your own conscience, but the other man's. For why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? Or verse 31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of Christ, to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of the many, so that they may be saved. Now, some people say, well, is he saying that we should be man pleasers? No, no, man pleasers. That's... That's talking about something else. But it's saying that I choose to not offend anybody if it will bring them to Christ. 
And by the way, sometimes it's non-believers who are more sensitive to things than Christians. Now, one other thing I should probably just uh, uh, say, we're talking about principles here. And the principle is not judging, not becoming a stumbling block, but building up the body. But it doesn't mean that every person that kind of, every tangent that comes in the body of Christ, we've got to do what they want. So if someone kind of comes in here next week and I've made up a silly example, says eating carrots is of the devil. We don't have to kind of all of a sudden stop eating carrots, you know. Because there's always kind of, you know, you know, people whose motivation. But we're talking about people who are genuinely trying to kind of seek God and things. So, so we're not talking about doing everything that everyone wants to kind of say, wants us to do. That's not what we're talking about. And I think it's the spirit. The, the spirit, the principle is hit the spirit of something. They're not rules, but the, the spirit of these principles, I don't want to judge people. I don't want to get that in my heart. It's ugly. And I don't want to be a stumbling block. And if it means that I have to kind of give up something I won't, it's going to be okay. Because I want to serve Christ. I want to walk in love. Let's pray. Lord, this is this is a passage calling us to a greater spiritual maturity. Lord, sometimes it can confuse us. We ask that you give us understanding. Give us the heart of what you're talking about. And that is loving one another. It's building on the last chapter. Lord, give us the courage to do what's right. And Lord, give us the grace to walk in your love. Lord, that's what it's all about. Thank you, Lord. Amen.